Welcome to Fit Talk with Nick. I'm your host, Nick Rodriguez. This is the show where we cover a broad range of health and wellness topics, and today we are going to talk about breathing um, and all the things that come along with it. There is a lot that can be discussed about this topic, um, but that might have to wait for another episode. But I'm going to try to give the best overview of um, a breathing certification that I have and all the knowledge that I've pretty much put together from people that I think is pretty cool and very useful for a lot of people in the world, pretty much everybody. Uh, so let's get started. Before we get to that, though, I just want to see how everyone's doing with the exercise adherence. Do not forget to go into the Facebook, leave comments, post anything, share anything, just so we can all stay connected. But hopefully everyone is sticking to the plan and making small steps. I'm still greasing the groove with push-ups. Eh, a couple, couple a day, 20 a day, 30 a day, maybe not too many. But the number's coming up. I'm just being patient with it. And something else that I wanted to tell everybody about, I was watching an interview with Elon Musk today. He talked about a few things. He talked about his rocket ship company, obviously, SpaceX, talked about Tesla, and he talked about Neuralink. And I have a few things that I think everybody can relate to when it comes to these topics. Self-driving vehicles are very complicated, is one. So I don't think AI is going to be putting people out of work anytime soon. And two, Neuralink is going to change the world. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this. Uh, I heard about it a couple years ago, paid attention a little bit, and I stopped, but it's recently becoming in the news a lot. Basically, they're going to try to chip your brain. Um, it's not a bad thing in terms of health and wellness. I say this because they want to use it for people who are paralyzed. Anybody who has like spinal cord damage and eventually they're going to delve into more complex matters with the brain, but right now they're just going to stay on spinal cord injuries. But how cool is it that they're going to be able to make people walk again? I mean, that's the goal. It's going to happen a couple years down the road, maybe. Personally, I'd say like end of the decade. It's probably grueling work. But the fact that they're going to use tech to possibly stimulate people's neurons all over again, help them walk from some traumatic injury is incredible. That is, that's wow. I think that's game changing in our society nowadays. Just, just think about, I mean, go look on a statistical website, look at all the people that are paralyzed or have other neurological um, diseases that could benefit from it. Um, so he's, you know, like him or hate him, he's doing some crazy stuff. So that just blew my mind today when I was watching that interview. Oh, oh, I shared something else on the Facebook too. Basically, it's a man who is talking about nutrition, but he's talking it, he's talking about it from like an atomic level. Like, yeah, an atomic level, I would say. He's not looking into what you're putting into your body because he's breaking it down to the basic building blocks of life. Um, carbon hydrogen and oxygen. Basically, that's what everything is broken down into. So whatever you eat in your body, it's broken down into carbon dioxide and water. So it's a different spin and perspective that he puts on nutrition that I really haven't seen anywhere else. The video is actually two years old, so it's been floating around a little while. But I shared it on the Facebook because I just think everybody should check it out and you all might be interested in it. All right. The topic of the day is breathing. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but I have a certification from a group called Oxygen Advantage. It's a man, uh, well, it was started by a man named Patrick McKeon, and he was going into 
breathing exercises and how to restore people's functional breathing. I initially got into this topic by reading a book called Breathe by James Nestor. It's actually really good. You guys should definitely check it out. And then I dove into a little bit of Wim Hof, which was pretty interesting. Um, And then I stumbled upon this little certification or gem of info that I'd say really caught my eye the way it was broken down. Um, There are studies with it on the website. I'll have that. I'll throw that in the Facebook so people can check it out whenever they want. Um, But the concept is very interesting. It's pretty much fact, actually. So, Uh, but it could be used by everybody and it can help with any type of respiratory issues and mild mental illness. I say mild, so I'll say like anxiety or like panic disorder. It does help on a physiological standpoint and overall wellness, mindfulness, concentration just by breathing because a lot of people breathe incorrectly and it's just a really cool topic that I think it's going to help people's quality of life or just very by simply taking the time to restore the way people breathe it's going to help them a lot i would say that it helps mainly with like periods of stress um so if you're calm you really don't need to worry about it because you're already calm you don't have to you don't really have to put that at the forefront you're probably breathing right or you just don't have the same type of triggers but listen everybody can benefit from learning how to breathe functionally it can literally be done anywhere it could literally be done any time of the day Except when you're driving, obviously. Don't get too wild behind the wheel. It's not good, especially with breathing. You could pass out. Um, but why does it matter? Ultimately, your body runs on oxygen. So the better your body is able to efficiently like process it, the better you are going to live, the better you're going to, well, your cells are going to be able to do what they need to do to keep you breathing, to keep you moving. So cellular respiration is important and breathing properly helps with that on a number of ways and again i will always try to dive or at least deep dive into concepts that are a little bit more complex but i'm just trying to break it down really just because this information is digestible okay so something else that i'll share on the facebook too some links to some research basically linking panic disorder and other type of um stressful illnesses to CO2 sensitivity. So Oxygen Advantage pretty much preaches that your body breathes based on your CO2 sensitivity. It's not based on needing oxygen. It's based on how much carbon dioxide is built up in your blood. So when the carbon dioxide builds up to a certain level, um, you're going to breathe. Now, depending how sensitive you are to carbon dioxide will determine how often you're breathing. Okay, it's going to determine how often and how fast you breathe. Now, the issue with that is people are not supposed to be taking 25 breaths a minute. Now, I do not have the best breathing because I am a mouth breather. So for, well, we're, we're fixing it. For most of my life, I was a mouth breather, and that was not good. So I used to wake up in the middle of the night not breathing. Uh, I snored a lot. Um, cotton mouth, you're always breathing through your mouth, so it's always dry. You really can't breathe uh, properly when you're talking. It literally changes the shape of your face. It, it changes a whole bunch of things when you breathe through your mouth as opposed to breathing through your nose. That's something that I really didn't believe when I first heard about it. So I had to look it up a little bit. And it looks to be right. It actually does change your facial bones. There are dentists and orthodontists that look into this and actually specialize um, in this. So it is not a fake thing. 
Um, not only that, internally, it really does great things for your body. So it basically gives your body a, more time um, to process that oxygen. So let's dial back to the CO2 sensitivity. If you are too sensitive to carbon dioxide, you're going to take more breaths, which is going to be more shallow. And the idea of the oxygen advantage is basically to breathe long, slow, and deep. It's a three-step process. Always got to breathe through your nose. That's like natural resistance for your body. Um, it's so you don't breathe with your chest, really. You're supposed to breathe that in through your diaphragm. Um, and then once you get down to your diaphragm, that's when all the air goes into your lungs, soaks into all the alveoli, all the real small um, canals that your air can basically be the O2 and the CO2, all that stuff exchanges. And then you breathe it out. Now, the problem that most people do nowadays, myself included, is we breathe too fast or we breathe too shallow. So I breathe with my chest um, when I get stressed or if I'm just not paying attention. I'll start breathing through my chest. I'll start breathing through my mouth. So it's a very conscious thing that I have to do. Um, and most people, it's, it's something that they're going to have to be conscious of as well. But just by changing the way I breathe, literally breathing through my nose, I, I naturally have to breathe slower. And breathing into my diaphragm, it's a weird sensation for me, but it's something that I get used to after a while. And then again, breathing out through the nose is so foreign to me, but I feel a lot better. I do naturally feel calmer. I don't feel on his edge. Um, and I actually feel like my brain isn't so scattered sometimes. And just by reading these well, that book, Breathe, realizing that that's how we're supposed to breathe all the time kind of threw me off a little bit because I never heard of that ever. I mean, I'm 28 now. Well, 26 when I learned that stuff, I never heard about that until that day. Going through college, going through high school, grade school, anything like that. They always tell you, you breathe through your nose. Nobody ever said why. Nobody ever said that it could literally change the shape of your face, the way your metabolism is, the way you sleep. The way your activity is happening throughout your life. Like no one ever told me that. Maybe I didn't connect the dots, um, but I just didn't think it was that big of a problem. So in my head, I'm kind of like, maybe other people don't think it's that big of a problem too. So I keep mentioning that breathing is linked to like panic disorders and anxiety. Other scientists will tell you, um, it's just, it is what it is now. That's, it's a link. By fixing the way that you breathe properly, you can pretty much curb the onset of that by a little bit, if not by a lot. By breathing through your diaphragm, breathing slow, you hit your vagus nerve. You could stimulate that. It basically deals with the parasympathetic part of your body, of your nervous system, so it helps you calm down, slows down your heart rate, decreases blood pressure. So by breathing functionally and breathing properly, um, you could stimulate that. Now, that is good for people who have panic disorder and anxiety because they most likely have dysfunctional breathing. Chest breathing... Shallow breathing, quick breathing, and that does not give your body enough time basically to exchange all that oxygen and CO2. Now, I mentioned previously that everybody has a limit on their carbon dioxide, so there's a threshold. I'm thinking of it like a thermostat. Your body normally balances around 40 millimeters of mercury of carbon dioxide in your blood, all right? So the level is 40. We'll keep it simple. The level is 40. Anytime your body goes above that level, it's going to breathe. The problem is people's threshold are below 40. So if your threshold is 30, but your body 
basically tries to stay at 40, you're always going to be over breathing. If you have too little carbon dioxide in your body, you won't take those breaths because you're nowhere near your threshold. However, there's a mechanism in your body when there's not enough carbon dioxide, the blood doesn't let go of your oxygen and it doesn't go into your muscles, right? So if you're too sensitive to carbon dioxide, you breathe too fast, which doesn't allow the oxygen to come out of your blood into your muscles. By adapting to a higher level of carbon dioxide, it allows your body more time to let that oxygen offload from the blood into your muscles. Hopefully that made sense. More carbon dioxide, your blood says oxygen, get the hell off the ship, get into the muscles. Less carbon dioxide, your blood says there's no CO2 in here, we need you to stay on the ship. You cannot go into the muscles. That relationship is basically why this is so important in breathing long, slow, and deep. You allow your body time for that transfer process to happen. Essentially, that's it. It's that simple. It's simple, but it's not easy um, because it's very hard to change. Everyone's got habits that we stick to. Everyone's got external stimuli that's really driving them freaking wild. Whether it's your job, not being able to pay bills, you're hungry, you're stressed. Everyone has these things on them, so it's kind of hard to always think about your breathing. Um, But the importance of the breath really can't be understated. And it's kind of wild that we all don't really know this. And if you do know this, that's amazing. You're ahead of the curb. Um, But if you are like me, this is pretty much new info to you. And I did mention the vagus nerve earlier. I was doing some reading on it. And I definitely want to dive into this a little bit in the future one day because I want to understand it better too. Um, You could stimulate it pretty much electrically. And it's going to help with epilepsy. And it does help with panic disorder. Um, and my little brother actually has epilepsy. It's something that he suffered with for a long time that I didn't understand, but it's actually cool now, nowadays that I've been reading about it. It could be pretty much managed with diet. And now I find out it can be managed with vagus nerve stimulation, which is pretty cool. So keep that in mind. Now it makes sense that people who are stressed, their brain's firing so much and it's like biologically their body can't process it. So it's It's kind of cool to piece together that by having dysfunctional breathing, your body always registers that you're in like a fight or flight. Like you're always stressed because you're breathing wrong, but you're not really stressed. And I think if people take the time to kind of fix that, maybe they won't be as stressed and things might be a little bit different for them when it comes to their sleeping, um, comes how antsy they can be um, or any other type of concentration issues, but you have to try it. Um, Once it's tried, then you can see if it works for you. Um, Just kind of learn about it. See what you can use, what you can't use. In the future, I'm going to be going over a a bunch of exercises. I'll leave you with like one or two today um, that you'll be able to literally do at your house and test out. Um, But this is available online, but I'm just going to break it down as best I can so you guys have like more of a short version And then if you guys have any questions, we can obviously go over all that stuff and dive a little bit more into it. But one of the first things I want to leave you with, activating your diaphragm. Most people probably already breathe through their diaphragm. Um, If you don't, you breathe through your mouth. I suffered with that for a while. It's kind of annoying. I still do it now. I just have to correct myself. 
or sometimes some people will call me out on it. I still remember when I was in school zoning out, looking at the board, Miss Joy would always yell at me from across the classroom, Nicholas, close your mouth. I still remember it to this day. I thank her for that. It all makes sense now. It didn't back then. It was just a little annoying, but I appreciate her now. Um, but basically, if you want to activate your diaphragm, you can either sit down in a chair, yoga pose, go Indian style, uh, lay on your back. If you lay on your back, you need to get something like a shoe, a book, um, a CD, anything flat that you could put on your stomach. If you're sitting in a chair, you just have to put your hand on your stomach and then a hand on your chest. Essentially, all you're going to do is breathe in through your nose, follow that airflow into your stomach. Your diaphragm is going to go basically open up and your stomach is going to move outward. And then you just breathe out through your nose. And that is breathing with your diaphragm. It's a very simple process. Um, it helps you slow down a little bit. But if you try it out right now, as I say it, you'll see that it actually helps out when it calms you down a little bit. Again, you're sitting, maybe you're laying down, put something on your stomach, on your chest, hands on your stomach, hand on your chest. All you have to do is breathe in through your belly and breathe out again through your nose. So in through your nose, right into your diaphragm, out your nose again. The trick is you only want your stomach to move. You do not want your chest to move. That's the trick. You'll find it's a little bit harder than you think unless you actively pay attention to it. And then it's really not so bad. Uh, you could do that throughout the day, do it before bed, do it in the morning, do it whenever you got like five minutes. It doesn't matter. But if you struggle breathing properly, activating your diaphragm, then it's something that should be done. I mean, I do it every day. I try to, I should say. Sometimes I cheat. I didn't do it last night, but I did this morning. And then another thing that I like to do is actually mini breath holds. Um, this episode, if I did jump around, give it another listen. It's pretty good, but definitely organizing my thoughts is something that I work on in life. See? See where I'm going? Side note. We're going back to mini breath holds. They are able basically to get you adapted to your carbon dioxide levels, right? <clears throat> Try to hold your breath. If you're like me, you can't. Um, so one, I'll say two ways that you could test your breath. They call it a bolt score. Um, all you have to do is set a timer, you breathe in, you breathe out, you breathe in, you breathe out. On that exhale, you hold your breath, you set the timer. Whenever you breathe again is your bolt score. I can only, mine is 11 seconds, so it's crap. Ideally, basically they want it up around 25. I'm at 11, so no bueno. Some people are at 20, some people are at 17. I know somebody who's at 26, an athlete, a star athlete is basically at 40. 40 is like NBA level type of, you know what I mean? That's their bolt score. So that's what you strive for. Well, we're just striving for 25. If you want to go to 40, go for it. I would love to get the 40 one day. How cool would that be? You know, because they have a, you simulate high altitude training. You try to get there. It's a goal. But right now we're on the road to 25 and I'm at 11. Take your bolt score. Let me know what it is because I'm actually kind of curious. And then we're going to start. I'm going to start dropping exercises so we can all learn this stuff. Um, but those mini breath holds, what you do is you basically walk um, and hold your breath. 
<laughs> count how many steps you take and then breathe again when you naturally want to. That's it. It's very simple. So example, you're walking down the hallway, hold your breath, count your steps, breathe when you have to. All done. Give yourself about a minute between one or two minutes and then do it again. You can do that throughout the day. Um, what it does is it basically builds up carbon dioxide in your blood and you can get used to those levels. So it's, you know, it's kind of like lactic acid training where you just bring yourself to the edge and you ebb off, bring yourself to the edge and you ease off. You keep doing that and eventually your body will adapt to it. Because as we know from previous episodes, your body will adapt to any stress that you put under it, right? Another thing that I wanted to tell about carbon dioxide is when it builds up in your, basically in your blood, in your body, you breathe through your nose, something called nitric oxide is created. Now I am telling you this right out of my notebook. It is a bronchodilator. It is cool. The body, every time I learn about the body, I am literally blown away. It opens up your bronchioles, bronchodilator, open, opens up bronchioles, allows more air and oxygen to get in. So just by breathing through your nose, all your airways are naturally opening up, allowing you to get more oxygen in each breath. Instead of taking 25 breaths, you can take 12 breaths and get the same amount, if not more, oxygen than you would prior. Um, so it's just, it's just kind of cool stuff. So basically this whole breathing properly, functional breathing is important. A, you're using your diaphragm, allowing all that oxygen to be brought into the lungs and to be taken out. B, you're not breathing fast. You're breathing slow, so that way, again, it has more time. And then you're breathing with that diaphragm, okay? You're not breathing with the chest, just breathing low. And you can pretty much improve a lot with that. You can pretty much improve your mental state with that. Um, and you can improve your sleeping with that too. I mean, I do it before bed. I just try to breathe real slow, real low. Um, I don't try to breathe heavy because naturally I, I breathe through my mouth. So you'll get a lot of air in and out. When you do it through your nose, watch, I'll do it. That natural resistance right there, breathing in, it's all I need. It feels, if I do that long enough without, you know, prepping for that, I feel like I'm dying. But I'm really not because like we covered before earlier in the episode, your body doesn't breathe based on oxygen levels. It breathes based on your carbon dioxide levels, not your oxygen. So just because you want to breathe, when you hold your breath, you're going to have an urge to breathe. That's your body saying, yo, you've hit the carbon dioxide level. You need to breathe. But if you wear a pulse oximeter like I do, just to check, you'll notice that your oxygen does not even go down. It doesn't drop at all. Stays around 94, 95, um, but that's still a normal range. Um, so that's kind of cool that when you can see your body react before it actually has to. It's kind of like a like pump the brakes, like you need to breathe now or else or else it's going to hit the fan. Um, I just think that's really cool. Again, be sure to use this to calm yourself down if you ever need to. You could always do mini breath holds. Um, always try the diaphragm because you'll be able to really see what it's like breathing slow. And there is another breathing technique Tons of people know this. It's super common. It's actually used in the military. It's called box breathing. You literally do a four-second inhale, a four-second uh, pause, a four-second exhale, a four-second pause, and you just repeat that. Okay, you could read about that. Tons of references for it and other resources, but it's used pretty much by our military, so it is very common and very useful. 
All right. So basically that is the episode on breathing. Um, if it was a little all over the place, bear with me. Still got good gems in there that's actionable and everybody can pretty much use for themselves. Um, read about it. Let me know what you think. Um, any comments, questions, concerns, just throw them at me. I think there could be some good discussion ramped up around that. But I just want to thank you for listening to Fit Talk. Please feel free and leave a review or share this with your friends and family. You can find the show on rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com or on Spotify. Again, please feel free to join the group on Facebook. Feel free to send me questions and comments and concerns and email me at askfitnick at gmail.com. I'm Keith Learning. Stay consistent and have a great day, guys. Thank you.